Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Welcome to That's What She Said. This is episode number 199, Your Shame is Not Interesting. Before we start, I just gave uh, Neville the Wonder Dog a new toy. It's a chew toy, so if you hear strange chewing noises and wonder what's going on, that's what's going on. If I leave the room and go into a different room, he'll cry and whimper, which is somehow worse than just listening to chew noises. These are the choices I make, people. A couple of things in terms of uh, sale stuff. Lots of things are on sale right now because summer and because why not? Uh, first, the pay what you can sale on my books is happening at kristinkelp.com shop. And so I have four books there. I'll go your own way, uh, which is all about freeing yourself from business as usual. Introverts at Work, which is marketing and selling techniques for uh, quiet with a capital Q people. Calling to the Deep, which is all about business as a spiritual practice, and All the Selves I Used to Be, uh, which is 69 poems um, that I wrote over the course of about 16 years. So those things, they're all for sale. Pay what you can, kristenkelp.com slash shop. Um, as summer comes upon us, you can also break up with your phone for half price, which is $34.50, at kristenkelp.com slash space. Uh, someone that just did space recently told me that at the beginning of the month they were using their phone for more than eight hours a day and now they've reduced that by about 70 percent over the course of the class so for 34 bucks you can get at least 34 hours of your life back but it's probably a whole lot more than that (laughs) and that is at kristenkelp.com slash space Uh, If you have an online business and you don't communicate with your people regularly, meaning that you don't uh, either email them, send snail mail to them, um, send like group text messaging to them, those sorts of things, um, you can learn all of my skills for how to fucking communicate at uh, half price, which is again $34.50, and that's kristenkelp.com slash HTFC. That's how to fucking communicate, but just HTFC. And finally, all breathwork recordings at breathehealrepeat.com are half off with promo code SUMMER. 
just one word, summer, all caps. Um, so anything that's been recorded there, the receive class, the uh, all the joy class for depression, uh, breathwork for asshole brain, uh, breathwork for overwhelm, it's all there. It's waiting for you. So go pick something up. Now's the time. Um, and then I won't have a whole lot to say about things being for sale for a while, I don't think, uh, simply because it's summer, dude. <laughs> So go pick up the books and the breath work and the classes and whatever. Um, do it at your leisure and don't worry about it too much. Uh, and before I start again, I want to thank you for your birthday wishes. Lots of you sent emails and texts and DMs and it was lovely and sweet. Um, and your kind words mean the world to me and made me cry a little bit. So thank you. Um, my birthday is one of my favorite times of year, mostly because it means that summer is officially here. And I love summer the very most. So now, um, this is a tiny excerpt from the voice workshop that I hope you will enjoy. Um, at this point, the voice workshop may or may not happen again. So this is not like, and then I want you to buy some shit at the, no, it's not that. Um, this is just a thing that I've noticed as I work with people more and more and one-on-one -on -one and in groups and in general. It's that uh, oftentimes we cling to our shame as if it is the most interesting or valuable thing about us. And we don't mean it in a good way, like, oh, this is really interesting or valuable, but like, how could anyone love me because of X, Y, or Z shameful thing that I've done, that I've experienced, that I grew up in, um, anything at all that requires shame at, to be at its center often has this aura around it of um, protectedness, of secrecy, of silence. And I just wanna say like the, your shame is not interesting. and. That's it. Your shame is not interesting. Uh, which isn't to make you wrong or say that you're bad or you should feel guilty for having shame, but just that unless you have recently like taken up cannibalism or you just finished up a stint as a serial killer, and I presume you were not <laughs> doing either of those things, um, your shame is not particularly justified and not particularly interesting. But of course, it will seem incredibly justified and very interesting within your own brain in order to keep you from sharing your shame. Asshole brain needs you to believe that speaking your shame will kill you. Just thinking about something that you find shameful is going to cause your cheeks to redden and your heartbeat gets all fast and your hands shake like you're going to go straight into physical combat against a juggernaut that weighs like 700 pounds more than you. Um, so Brene Brown tells us, quote, shame needs three things to grow exponentially in our lives, secrecy, silence, and judgment, end quote. Since I'm committed to both growing and to sharing what I learned from growing, I can absolutely confirm that she's right. Shame makes me want to throw myself into a tiny room and never come out, all while telling myself that I should just get my shit together already, get my shit together already, and that no one loves me. I mean, obviously, that's just where it goes. Um, I can tell you, though, that as I have spoken through it and moved through it, I've most commonly encountered three responses to what I have found shameful. And the spoiler alert here is that not a single one is awful. Response number one is thank you. So when you talk about your deepest, darkest secrets, you are often speaking your particulars upon a much larger universal. The response is not the much feared, you are a horrible person, now I hate you, but a sigh of relief that comes with the feeling that you have allowed yourself to be seen and shared your humanity. So instead of sharing depression being this like unknowable, vast, weird thing that I share that no one can relate to. It's like, oh, those are your particulars that you're putting on top of a much larger universal, which is 
depression is a quite reasonable response to the modern world. We have less connection to nature. We have less connection to each other. We have far more connection to technology and to capitalism than we've ever had before. Depression is a normal response to that. And so making the space for there to be some depression in life, for me to be like, that could happen. That could happen again. I could go back to that. But also I'm here and I'm doing this thing and you can do this thing too. That gets a thank you every time. Response number two, me too. Um, People have very quietly sent me emails and DMs talking about their depression, their failures, their illnesses, their stuck points, their abandoned projects that they feel really guilty about, um, and their sex issues. And they responded with this, me too. They aren't asking me to fix it or to solve it or to change it. um, But in some way, they feel witnessed. And then I feel witnessed too. There's comfort in me too, even when the thing you're referencing is awful or painful or difficult or unfixable. Because sometimes it is. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's grief. That's not really fixable. That's something you have to move through with time, but no one else can do that for you. And certainly there's no like 84-step program that will make that just go away. Grief is grief, and me too can be tremendously helpful in being like, oh, yes, I'm there too. Response number three, I'm so glad I'm not alone. One of the ways asshole brain beats us into submission and keeps us as small as possible is by telling us that we in all of creation are alone in our predicament. It tells us we are the only ones who are having bad relationships or who are losing lots of money, who are giving up on sex, who are abandoning healthcare, healthcare, self-care, any of it, uh, who are choosing the wrong mentor, who are battling mental illness, who are freaked the fuck out about the state of the world, or um, the only people who have quietly retreated into a hole while hoping the world will go away, right? Would they, like, everyone else is out there just living life and just being in public for nine hours a day. What are you doing? Those sorts of things. You are not alone. Uh, sharing your shame means that other people get to experience the life-giving sensation of feeling not alone. And solidarity, solidarity is a glorious thing. My speaking is just not there, but we're going to keep going because uh, my lips are just not working today. <laughs> um, so the trick is that where you find shame at a personal level, you find the opportunity to speak through it. So sure, you can buckle down and fill yourself with even more doubt and yuck, more secrecy, more silence, more guilt. Or you can express your shame. You can express it with yourself, um, to yourself and with yourself. You can express it with a trusted individual or group of individuals. Um, or like I personally choose to speak to the internet at large once my shame has sort of made its way to a point where I can articulate it and I can view it at some kind of distance. It isn't like that happened yesterday and I'm talking about it today. Uh, You are not required to do those things. You are not required to speak your shame to anyone. But when you admit it to yourself, things free up in a really big way. When I find things in my life I'm ashamed of, I simultaneously find places in my life that are ripe for growth. So when you feel ashamed of your house, your car, your kids, your family, your partner, your abortion, your sex life, your business, your clients, your projects, your job you have found spaces in that shame in which you are ready to grow in some fashion. Speaking through shame will always lead to growth. It frees you to recognize the elephant in the room of your heart instead of drawing tighter and tighter to the walls, hoping that it magically goes away or feels better or shame just sort of cures itself, which literally never happens. (laughs) 
Okay, so when you can recognize and speak through shame, you have found a place to grow. And when you feel stuck or resistant or like, oh God, nothing in my life is ever gonna change, there are probably a bunch of things that are going on within you that you're not acknowledging or speaking to or through. And if you're like, yeah, Kristen, when have you ever spoken through shame? The answer is so many times. I'm gonna touch on like a few of them, like six of them right now. Um, And the trick here is that every single time that I spoke about these things, I was sure that everyone would abandon me and that I would have no clients, my business would dry up and I would literally die. That's just the standard. That's like, oh, okay, that means that that's shame and that's what it has to offer. So where depression offers everything is meaningless and asshole brain just offers like no one cares, uh, shame offers uh, everyone cares and they are all going to hate you. So it's a very active, everyone is going to turn towards you, hate you, abandon you, leave you forever. So, uh, and part of what I want to do here is not to just have you like write confessional articles for the internet, but to have you uh, acknowledge internally, oh yes, these are the places I'm ashamed of and face them in some capacity. Even if you just admit them to yourself, that is making room for growth. And when you acknowledge what's going on within you, it often brings some sense of peace to the world around you, even though it can be exactly the same shit show it was yesterday. But at least today you have something to focus on, something to work through, something to acknowledge, and you figured something else out about yourself which is pretty fucking cool. So depression was the first thing. And that was, I believe, six years ago. Um, Talking about depression was not something I thought I would ever do. I was deeply ashamed of being on antidepressants and having been on antidepressants, they weren't new. I was deeply ashamed of not being as joyful as I appeared to be online. Um, That when I am sad, I just don't post on the internet because I don't want to spread my sadness. It's not that I'm hiding it. It's not that I don't think I'm worthy of being seen. It's that, listen, the internet has enough shit in it. (laughs) So I really try to limit um, what I share, if not to the positive, then at least to the succinct and organized If it's going to be sad or difficult, it's going to have a point and not just be like, I feel like shit today, guys, fuck everything. Um, I'm very careful with my audience about not making cries for help. So, uh, but if you need to make a cry for help, please do so. That's not what I'm saying. Um, What I'm saying is that I didn't want what I was saying to be interpreted as a cry for help. And I'm very careful of that. So speaking about my depression over the years has required increasing levels of vulnerability, of introspection and of facing my demons. I don't have a better word for that. It's literally facing my demons. Um, But it's also resulted, in addition to those big, scary, scary things, it's also resulted in emails in which people credit me for like literally saving their lives, um, for being a thing to grab onto along the way as you're sort of being pulled toward really horrible ends, whether that's um, just sort of disappearing and withdrawing, whether that's having suicidal ideations, whatever it is. Um, yeah, in some small way, my, my sharing my story has helped other people to feel less alone and less like, oh my God, I can't do this. And that, that's why I do it. It's not because it's so fun and sexy to talk about depression. It's because, yeah, this happens. And um, this is something I've dealt with and I'm still here. And I would prefer that you still be here too. Uh, divorce was the second one. And this one was, uh, I'm all about failing at a business level and being like, oh, look, I failed. Yay. That didn't go as well as I thought. Uh, but for to me, divorce was such a big personal failure 
that I didn't mention it to my clients or to the peeps on my email list, to my Instagram, all that stuff, um, for over a year after my husband had moved out. And it was all tied to asshole brain's thoughts of if I couldn't make a relationship work, then how could clients trust me? If I couldn't remain committed after I had made vows to be committed, then what did my word even mean? So this one thing, which was this relationship failed, came to mean like you were a total failure. And the way that I worked through that was to share this is happening. And then, of course, like everyone knows someone who's been divorced. It is not the end of the world. It is not an unforgivable thing. (laughs) And anybody who's been divorced has been like, yeah, yeah, it happens. It does happen. It does take two to tango. Um, So, yeah, divorce was one that was really hard for me to share. Uh, There's Neville. He's still enjoying his toy. Uh, Losing $43,000 was really, 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 really shameful uh, because that was like business shameful and personal shameful. And by the way, if you go to kristenkelp.com, these all have uh, links and articles and you can see exactly where what I shared is being mentioned. Um, So I was holding a big event that didn't make my accountant happy um, in 2014. So it was five years ago. Um, It basically destroyed me. And I waited for two years before I said a word about it. Uh, I, I considered giving up the entire being in business thing to go and work at Starbucks, which is my standard asshole brain. That's where it goes, Starbucks. Uh, but I decided instead to tell everyone about it. And when I did, those who had attended the big event sent love letters. Others who hadn't attended thanked me for telling the not-so-glorious tale of business as it happened. Because this was not like, but then I got an Oprah, so it was okay. This was just like, guys, I lost a bunch of money. The end. (laughs) Like, your shame doesn't always have to have a neat little bow around it. And it doesn't have to have a conclusion. You can still share it. Um, And the asshole brain thoughts this time were, how can you give advice when you're such a big failure? So not, I have done a thing that did not work, but you are a failure versus your actions failed. Uh, How can you possibly show your face in public again? Obviously. Uh, How can anyone respect you for losing 43 grand and a husband in the same year? Yeah, those things, those things. Uh, And people were much kinder to me than I was to myself, which is one of the important things I think that you can learn when you share your shame is that people are generally not as cruel to you as you are to yourself. And there's no way that my telling that to you will mean anything until you give it a try and you're like, oh my God, yeah. People extend grace to you that they do not extend to themselves all the time. Next up, breath work and coming out of the spiritual closet. Uh, I have long been afraid of being disregarded as some sort of like pink haired cotton candy hoo-hoo fluff. And hoo-hoo fluff is like um, the decorations that the Who's in Whoville put up for uh, the Grinch stealing Christmas. They're just like ridiculous bobbles and bangles and thingamabobs uh, with no inherent meaning. Um, I didn't want to be disregarded that way. So I shut up. I shut up about my spiritual beliefs for a good solid eight years of being in business. We've only just come around to 10 years. So that's powerful shame. Um, And the truth is, whether it's spiritual beliefs or breathwork, they're both useful and powerful parts of my life. Like doing breathwork regularly is not nearly as hard as talking about it though. So in particular, trying to put words to the effects of breathwork is incredibly challenging. But the, it wasn't the challenge of that that was hard. It was the shame because shame said I would come off as cocky. Like, what, you're a spiritual leader now? Or as flighty? Like, who the fuck is both a business coach and a breathwork practitioner, man? 
Um, or that I would come off as useless. Like, yeah, what the world needs now is breathing. Yeah, totally, man. Because we don't have bigger fucking fish to fry. We need to worry about breathing, right? Uh, Just horrible, horrible, horrible things that I said to myself, right? Because that's what shame does. It throws you in a corner and says the most of abusive things it can possibly think of to say to you to shut you up. And when you move through that, when you agree to grow in that way, um, here's what's happened with breathwork. Peeps have responded um, with love to breathwork, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether they give it a try and they don't like it. They even send kind notes like, I love you so much and thank you. And that just wasn't for me. And I'm like, great. Um, And sometimes they do like it. And then I continue to grow and to shape my practice to handle uh, deeper truths and bigger growth and... um, and to get more sort of grounded and rooted in my being. Yeah. So once again, that's like the fourth example. Um, shame did not work. Shame didn't hold me back. And on the other side, there was something amazing waiting that I could not have predicted, which in this case is people basically shrugging like, okay, so you're a business coach and you do breathwork. Great. Nobody gives a fuck. Instead of like, it's this really big deal and oh my God, and all of the angst associated with that. Nope. No need. Okay, fifth one, talking about sex and enjoying sex. Um, It seems strange to me, looking down on me, um, that I hid this for so long. Uh, But then again, I grew up in a rural, super Christian, super hetero, super cis, super white community. And I almost signed a true love waits pledge at age 14, which is when you agree to not have sex until you get married, which I did not sign, thank God. So shame whispered that I had gone too far by talking about orgasms that no one could possibly relate to my desires or to my issues. um, And that as always, everyone would abandon me and I'd have to get a job at Starbucks. You see the asshole brain pattern? Because we all have one. Mine is just like bad thing, bad thing, total abandonment, get a job at Starbucks. That's just my standard thing. And finally, um, the cannabis and enjoying it. So what's more horrifying than talking about sex, you ask? Uh, weed. So the now standard asshole brain refrain kicked up, right? Okay, everyone abandons you. Starbucks, you've worked there. You'll hate it. Fine. Uh, I powered through and I got entirely complimentary responses because I was braced for really, really bad things to happen. Like just, I don't know what, but just like vague, horrible things were about to happen when I released that. I was very certain of it. Um, Those who were afraid of trying cannabis thanked me for weighing in because I too was terrified when that whole thing started. Um, Those who dig cannabis admitted to liking me more. Uh, A few friends in real life said that they appreciated the podcast for its humor and its structure. So no one came and burned my house down. No one abandoned me. I didn't even get more unsubscribes than usual from my newsletter. I was really genuinely shocked by that. So uh, the point being that had shame stopped me from sharing and that those things, remember, were shared over the course of about, let's see, six years. So please don't think like, oh yeah, I just knocked this out week by week by week. I'm just growing like a goddamn champion. No, those took a long time. Um, But at any point, if shame had stopped me from sharing, it would have also stopped my growth as a human, as a healer, and as a writer. And because of that, I would never have felt the, the, the absurd amounts of love that come over to me after a particularly vulnerable share, nor would I have noticed the patterns that asshole brain employs over and over again. 
Because once you get good at shame and noticing it, you get good at, oh, there's the pattern. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to move through the pattern. Oh, it amps up a lot when I do that. Okay. And you, it, it gets less scary because it's a pattern. It's like the first time that you run a mile is pure fucking torture. And the 800th time that you run a mile, you're like, okay, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then it's just not as big of a deal. So for you, let's find some of the shame in your life right now. I know you'd rather not. I get it, but you're here. You're already listening. Let's just go all the way because on the other side of this, I don't have a bunch of directives and things that you have to do, but just like, I bet you'll free up some space within yourself that's being tied up with like the shame app that's always running and we don't have to use that anymore. So you do not have to share these answers with the world at large. You do not have to share them with the internet. You do not have to share them with me. That is not what we're going for here. I would say that admitting them to yourself is representative of tremendous progress. Going on to share this shame or any part of this with a therapist, healing practitioner, partner, friend, loved one, or coach might do you a world of good, but it is in no way, no way required. This is not like hashtag share your shame or some shit like that. Like that's not what we're doing here. Um, because I want you to feel safe and I want you to know that it is okay to share at your pace. So I don't want to just try and push you into something else. I just want you to have really good questions to go exploring within yourself and find some answers. Because that's always the goal. The goal is, as if I'm your business coach, the goal is that you outgrow me. And if you're listening to me, the goal is that you get better and better at knowing yourself. That's it. That's my big pitch. <laughs> okay, so shame questions, which perhaps need a better title. Which business experiences or circumstances do you hope no one ever finds out about? I have had coaching clients mutter that they have no clients, shame, that they have too many clients and are dropping the ball, shame, that they fear they love their work too much, shame, and that they no longer love their work, shame. Those are just four examples. So there is no universal answer here. What is shameful for you might not be shameful for someone else. There is only this thing that you hide and that you hope no one ever finds, especially with regards to your business. So can we just look that in the eye right now, um, that you, you have a list, but you don't push it, or that you don't have a list, even though I've been asking you to do that for like 10 years now, <laughs> um, that you hate Facebook, that you love Facebook. There's shame. There's so much shame smorgasbord happening, but that we all have usually there's one thing that's just like, oh God, that's just embarrassing. Um, and can you look that in the eye right now? Can you just acknowledge it, say it out loud or write it down? Which business experiences or circumstances do you hope no one ever finds out about? What do you deeply enjoy but feel as if you don't deserve? To put it a different way, what do you deeply enjoy but fear would make other people jealous if they found out? Uh, my peeps have told me how easy it is to do X, to create, to write, to photograph, to make people feel at ease, to strike up conversation, to hear other people's secrets, to speak in front of people. And they tell me with great shame, like, um, it's so easy for me that I don't think I deserve to be paid. Or it's so easy for me that I don't wanna tell anyone else because it seems to be really hard for other people. Your talents, whatever they are, are not something to be ashamed of, ever. Again, unless you have taken up cannibalism, I am taking a firm line on cannibalism and it's just not cool. 
So what do you tamp down, play down, or ignore because you don't want other people to envy you? There can be weird shame around, I have something and you don't. Particularly if you're female, you, we, we, everyone's has to be equal. We can't have more than other people. And like it, it gets weird. Can you just acknowledge that thing? At the other end of that spectrum, what do you truly and madly love but you don't share because you're afraid of other people's reactions or you're afraid that someone will judge it harshly? So this is like your, your secret hobby, your secret delight, your secret guarded thing that maybe you're not ashamed of, but you just guard it really, really, really closely. Uh, but I would argue to go ahead and love like horses or fan fiction or houseplants or Bob's Burgers or dogs or kink or coding or sewing. I don't love half of those things, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> sewing is not it for me. And coding is just a no. Um, or that particular cause, whatever it is. Um, we need people who love what they love and who aren't afraid to show it. Being ashamed of your joy doesn't have any positive benefits and it can keep you miserable for as long as you let it. What do you just plain freaking no apologies love? And can you pick that interest up and let it out to play again? Because again, people, you're going to get thank you. You're going to get me too. And you're going to get, I'm so glad I'm not alone. Those, particularly in the context of something that you love, are not something to be afraid of. Um, what do you judge harshly about your own life or your own business circumstances? What are you ashamed that you haven't quote unquote figured out by now? Which is, that is like a, oh, that's such a good question. What are you ashamed that you haven't figured out by now? I will tell you uh, that I felt such solidarity with uh, Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach, who I love. They're fucking amazing. Uh, but one day, Abby was giving a tutorial to Glennon on how to not open cereal boxes like a raccoon. And then uh, Glennon made no promises and insisted that she still didn't understand and would still open everything like a raccoon. And I was like, yes, if you give me a box, it will be open, but it will not be open in the way that you expect, in the way that is shown or in the way that like just seems so obvious to everyone else. I open boxes like a raccoon. It just, it just is. And I've tried so hard to fix it and I fucking can't. Okay. Um, so... This, what are you ashamed that you haven't figured out by now, applies to everything from the curtains that you've chosen to your financial circumstances. Where you find judgment about yourself, you will often find shame. And as we know, your shame is not interesting. And I feel like by my age, by my age, I should have figured out taxes, investing, and budgeting at least enough to be a millionaire, if not a billionaire. Like, I feel like it's, it's not that hard, but I somehow just suck. Uh, I also feel like I should have figured out how to enjoy cooking. Like, not just how to cook, but how to enjoy it. There's some sort of secret that's eluding me. Um, and I also should have figured out how to work out daily in a no big deal way instead of in one of those, like, look at me, I need a sticker way. Like, I legit think I should get a sticker every time I walk around the block. <laughs> because, oh my God. Oh. Um, it's okay if you need stickers to get shit done. It is perfectly normal to be good at some things and to suck at others. Even if society wants to sell you the answer or the fucking dinner kit box thing that'll make it so easy to cook and you'll just enjoy it so much. No, you won't. No, you won't. It's a lie. Um, 
So I know capitalism has an answer to the thing that you haven't figured out yet, but also maybe you're just not gonna figure it out. Maybe that's okay. Maybe you are a raccoon box opener and yeah, me too. You're not alone. Which stories about your life do you refuse to tell anybody? Now, this does not have to be like uh, trauma related. This does not have to be enormous. This does not have to be something from childhood. So for my examples with shame, remember that I was talking about sex. I was talking about cannabis. I was talking about breathwork. None of those are particularly traumatic, nor are any of those from my childhood. So it just has to be something that you refuse to talk about that you've taken off the table at an energetic level. Some childhood experience that made a mark might be it. It might be a professional encounter that shaped the rest of your career. It might be one offhand comment that closed a door. Uh, And that door can be internal or external. You don't have to hide these from yourself any longer. So there's nothing that you have to do with this information. It's just helpful to acknowledge like, oh, that's my big hidden shelf of shit that I don't show anyone that I'm ashamed of. And then when you start to pick up these things, you're just like, oh, it's just... I mean, it's just opening Pop-Tarts like a raccoon. I mean, it's not, it's not a game changer, right? It's not, it's not going to be the end of the world if someone knows that. In many cases, even though it feels like it's a really big deal, it's not. And sometimes it is a big deal, so it's time to share it with a therapist. But even then, just keeping it on the shelf and ignoring it is not a good strategy. So can we, in some way, put those things on your shame shelf into play? And finally, this one's so tricky... Which life experiences do you refuse to share even though they quote unquote are not that big a deal or quote unquote you should be over them by now? I'll go first like I do. I am still upset about the woman that quote I should be over by now unquote right who called me and I quote hopelessly naive for going off to work with Flying Kites which is a nonprofit organization in Kenya. That was seven years ago. You do not have to be over it by now, whatever it is, but keeping it all buttoned up and pretending that you're fine isn't helping. So that woman who saw me going to Africa for three months, donating a ton of time, money, effort, and energy, writing a book to fund it, like doing all of this work to go there and do what I thought was going to make a fucking difference, to shame me by calling me hopelessly naive, like... I think I have never felt so misunderstood and unseen in my life, which is why it still hurts. So it is a big deal, even though it was just an offhand comment from someone that I don't know. And if you're listening and you were that person, like, fuck you, please don't ever listen again. That's terrible. You fucking scarred me. But otherwise, we all have these weird scars within us that are just like... Oh, that person, maybe they thought you wouldn't even read the email or you weren't listening. Maybe they didn't know that it was a big deal, but it it closed something down within you or it hurt something deep within you. And you can acknowledge that hurt, but you don't have to be ashamed of that hurt. Like, yeah, I'm still hurt about the hopelessly naive comment. I might never get over it because it's so the opposite of who I am in the world, right? Um, There's so much cynicism in calling someone hopelessly naive. It's fucking brutal um so yeah you don't have to be over it right now you don't um but you can also acknowledge that that lives within you that that's part of what you're bringing to the table that you're a human and then we move on okay so 
the next part of this is, so we found a bunch of places where you have shame, neither good nor bad, not judging, not trying to make you guilty, not making you feel wrong. That's all asshole brain. This is simply, okay, those are a bunch of spots where I have room to grow. What does your asshole brain say will happen if you speak about those answers that you just gave with anyone at all, including like dogs, cats, ferrets, pet raccoons, anyone? What does your asshole brain say? We want to write down the answer by going all the way into whatever it has to say, knowing that this is not to scare you, but to show you a standard human lizard brain response. So part of it is just to embrace it by going all the way into it. Common options, in case you're like, I don't know what my asshole brain says. Common options include death, destruction, homelessness, loss of life, loss of relationships, loss of clients, loss of business, loss of respect, or all four, five. Uh, you will be living in a van down by the river in no time. Your partner will leave you. You will be forced to survive on only expired Pop-Tarts and puddle water. It's very reasonable. It's very specific. <laughs> uh, your parents will disown you. Your family will disown you. Your colleagues will oust you from the company. Um, big, 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 big consequences. And what are we talking about here? We're talking about how you open cereal boxes like a raccoon, right? Disproportionate response between what, what will actually happen and what your brain says will happen. And when you notice it, it can over time get funny, like expired Pop-Tarts and puddle water survival. That's funny, but it doesn't seem funny in the moment. It only seems funny in retrospect. So write that down because what happens is when you see it and you've gone all the way through it, okay, these are the 18 steps that lead me to this horrible place, living in a van down by the river, right? Um, your brain is not that creative. It will, it will tell you those same steps again and again and again and again and again. And the earlier that you can recognize, oh, 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 this is asshole brain, the easier it is to stop it and to step back into, okay, what will actually happen? What do you suspect will actually happen if you speak about the answers that you gave with a trusted individual slash your pet chinchilla? We are not speciesist here. Uh, the first thing that's going to happen is that your brain is going to shove forward with, no, really, you'll die. And that's not the case, right? Uh, and what's actually going to happen, you'll feel uncomfortable. You'll sweat through your clothing. You'll feel so vulnerable you can hardly breathe. You'll upset someone briefly. You'll hear, thank you, me too, and I'm so glad I'm not alone, far more than usual. So after that big lizard brain response, there's this other part of you that's like, can we write down the answer and go all the way into what your highest or your best or your truest self knows is going to happen about the situation, knows is true about the situation, knows that you can survive. Does that make sense? Some part of you is very wise and knows what you can survive. Can it just tell you what is probably going to happen? And then can you listen to that part as you share? Because as Brene Brown says, quote, shame cannot survive being spoken. I dare you to speak through your shame. I dare you to be honest with your own heart and then tell on yourself to be wildly vulnerable and to see what happens next. Hint, you're going to grow and it's going to be rad. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. Uh, we're going to take a break after episode 200, which is next week. So um, batten down the hatches. Enjoy yourself here. Again, kristenkelp.com slash shop. The sale ends soon, so go buy some shit, please. May you um, 
Acknowledge the places that you feel shame with humor and with grace. May you open boxes like a raccoon if that's your jam. It's okay. Welcome to the club. Um, May you find the places where you are so, so, so scared and give yourself just a tiny bit of love and grace for being kind to yourself today. May you see every last bit of shame within you as a place to grow, as an opportunity to become new and different and lovelier and more vibrant and bigger, and not as reasons to shut down, to get smaller, or to stay silent. May you uh, listen to basically every word Brene Brown says, because she's a genius. (laughs) May you release your shame bit by bit or all at once. May you refuse to fall for what asshole brain says is going to happen because it's always the worst case scenario. May you hear lots and lots more. Thank you, me too. And I'm so glad I'm not alone in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.